Welcome back to the Quantum Podcast with myself, Ethan Morland. Uh, I'm the host of the podcast and we aim to speak to high performers about the hows and the whys behind what they do and break it all down. Now, today's episode is with a friend of mine, Joe Taylor. He is a 23-year-old entrepreneur from Murfield in the UK. And I've known Joe since I think I was about 10 or 11. And so I've been following his stuff since I met him just slowly in the background. I've been watching him build and build and build these businesses. And over time, he's become more and more successful. And I thought this is the perfect person to get on the podcast to talk about his businesses, um, you know, setbacks that he's faced, everything like that. And this episode turned out to be a great one. We talk about some of the setbacks he faced in his early years of business, his first proper business that he made with his friend and the downfall of that, and then how he created a business from his bedroom during the COVID lockdowns um, and turned it into a six-figure business just in the space of a couple of years. Joe, thank you for your time. Uh, It's such a great episode. I hope you all enjoy it and take at least one lesson from it like usual. Uh, so please like, subscribe, follow us on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You'll find the links in the description below. It's Joe Taylor, owner of eGrowth Media. Do you want to do a little, a little introduction for yourself and sort of tell us who you are, what you do, that kind of thing? Yeah, no worries. So my name is Joe Taylor. I'm the owner of eGrowth Media. We're a social media marketing agency. Uh, we specialize in helping property investors basically grow their business through the use of social media. So we do that through Facebook, Instagram advertising, TikTok, and content creation. Uh, 23 years old from Leeds. Um, yeah, just here to just to share the journey and tell people what we've done and what we've achieved, I suppose. It's it's absolute madness because, so eGrowth Media is valued, it's valued as, as a six-figure business, right? am I right? Yeah, so this, uh, in terms of revenue this year, we'll, we'll do about 350k. Um, so, so yeah, more six figures, yeah. But we'll put this into perspective. So... This is a business you started during lockdown of COVID, so 2020. So it's been, as you said before, it's been two and a half years. So in two and a half years, you've created six figures of revenue at the age of 23, which to me is mind-blowing, mate. It's mind-blowing. Just literally from, it started, if I'm right, from what I read, from your room, basically, from your bedroom. Yeah, absolutely. So what? Oh, sorry, I have to do. No, go on. Go, go. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically what happened was, um, I literally bought myself a MacBook. I thought first lockdown, I always wanted to learn Facebook ads as a skill for the events business, which obviously we can go into later depth. Um, but I never knew you could actually make a business out of it. So I was literally in, in the room. I was just cracking on with the course. Shout out to Jordan Platt. And he was the first course I invested in. And yeah, just not looked, looked back since, I suppose. So obviously you invested in a course. And to me, that's actually quite interesting because I found you see a lot of courses advertised on Facebook, yeah. Instagram, whatever. There's like it's endless, constantly just sponsored awesome. ads. Yeah. And a lot of them are just these sort of marketing schemes as a way for them to make money, but you yeah. don't really learn anything. And you've somehow come out with it like a really good one. And now obviously you've created a business from it. So how did you go about finding the right course for yourself? For myself, yeah. What I did was I literally typed in on YouTube, Facebook ads for beginners. Um, there was a few videos that came up and there was a guy called Jordan Platten. Basically, I spent one week just consuming all his videos. I was addicted to his videos. It was like how to start a social media agency, how to get results, how to do Facebook ads. Did all his YouTube videos. Then I bought his book. And then off the back of that book, I, was, I realized, shit, like, I know now I need to do a course. Like, this guy is the guy for me. This is the guy I want to learn from. Seen his client results. I knew he was 30. He's got like 200K subs on YouTube. I thought, this guy, I had a good feeling about him, you know? Um, yeah. And to be honest, I've not looked back since since doing that course. So, yeah, I, I owe a lot of my starting journey to, to that point. So, obviously, COVID hit, but prior to COVID, you had another business. So, what we'll do before we go into eGrowth Media as a whole and get into how it's gotten to where it is now what I want to go do is go into the past. So before we actually get into the business before COVID, I want to know what you were like as a kid, because what you tend to find with entrepreneurs and people who are successful in creating multiple businesses, they tend to have a childhood where they are very, very good at selling random things. And usually in the UK, it's kids who sell sweets at school. Like, were you one of those guys or were you? did you do something else? 
I did something else. I had two little ventures, and to be honest, I'll be able to get pictures up of these. Um, oh, it makes me laugh because it was a, it was a good time. So, first business venture I ever started was called Taylor and Co. Now, what Taylor and Co. was, I imported like cheap T-shirts from China, you know, then like like plain ones like this. Uh, and what I did was I found a local embroider and put Taylor and Co. I set up an Instagram page. And do you remember like six, seven years ago when tie dye was like big thing and everyone tie dye yeah. t-shirts? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what I did was I got a tie-dye maker from Amazon and then just started like tie-dyeing t-shirts. Um, we did t-shirts, we did beanies, what else did we do? I think we did polos as well. Um, and then, yeah, that was about year now when I did that. So that was quite an interesting, and what I did was I just sold them through Instagram, delivered them around Huddersfield, Murfield, that's where I'm from, um, and built a little reputation in, in that area. Um, it's quite interesting because the guy who I had on this morning, he's been like one of my, my best mates since high school. And what we did was in high school, we, we were like skateboarders and we were like, we're going to create a skate brand. So we created this brand called Passenger Skateboards and did the same thing. We created t like T-shirts, put it on Instagram and we actually sold a few. And we were like, we're looking back on it and like, how on earth did we manage to sell those T-shirts? Like it's as like a, you know, you we were what at the time, say, 13 14 15 like that age how was a i was a kid of that age selling t-shirts to randomers on the internet and then randomers in you know <laughs> in the town like it's crazy the fact that you've been able to do it as well and actually you were probably more successful than we were like i think we sold six or something i, I think we sold, we never sold like hundreds and hundreds but we must have sold like 50 60 and we were charging like five seven pounds so at that age, it's good money, you know? Um, oh, it was yeah. good first experience of business. Like, I had a few friends that really, really supported me at this point. Um, and what we used to do was we'd, we'd get the T-shirts and we'd go to, like, a local woods and we'd do, like, a photo shoot there, upload, get them edited, put them to Instagram, really build hype around what we were doing. And, um, yeah, it was it was interesting. I remember, I remember my mum driving me to the embroiders and I said, look, I want this design here, I want the logo here. And, um, yeah, it was... That was, it was a fun time, to be fair, I'll be honest. So then after that business, what was the next one? Because you said you did two. Yeah, so yeah. We did, I did a little one as well. So what I did was, you remember when obviously CDs were big back in the day? What yeah. I used to do was I used to burn music onto CDs. So like I'd find like the top 10 songs at that time, burn them onto a CD, get like a CD case and sell them for like three, four quid. Um, and then what I did, what I do was I'd hand write on the back like the, the the numbers of each song. So like number one is this song, number two is this song. It's like a little, little album thing. And then yeah, just used to just sell them on. Um, wow. So I remember doing that with my sister. So yeah, so, there, there was two main ventures that I can uh, remember to be honest, but Taylor and Co was definitely like anyone who watched this from Murfield, like will, will know. wild. Yeah, it's like, for me, it's always interesting because you tend to find that people who, obviously like I said, people who are entrepreneurs now, were always trying to start something no matter what it was like they always had this like venture that they were trying as a kid it would never amount to anything 99% of the time but it's just sort of you know putting your toes in the water kind of thing sort of feeling it out and for me I don't know what it's like where you grew up but in the UK it's very kids are very judgmental and very sort of they try and push like if you do something different you know you're doing something different because they make it evident and they try and make you feel shit for it. Like, how did you, if, if that was what you dealt with, how did you then deal with that? <laughs> I wanted to talk about this point. So obviously I was in year nine at the time when I did tell them off. So obviously like the year 11s, the, you know, the, the oldest in the school. And because Murfield, the town that it is, everyone knows each other. Like everyone's in each other's business. It's that, it's that kind of small town, you know, mentality as it were. And um, I remember used to I used to go through Murfield Park, which is like the main park in Murfield, and people. And I remember I remember it to this day. They used to say, "Oh, they used to call it Swag Fag and Co." So that's what they used to call it. Yeah, literally proper rinsing it. Uh, and then in the corridors as well, they'd say "Fagger," like Swag Fag. Um, and I remember this one girl. What she did was, so we had a model who like pulled half the T-shirt so you could just see the logo, and they just replicated it, and they, that's where the word Swag Fag and Co came from. And that went around all around social media. So I remember it. I remember walking down the park and people shouting stuff and then seeing this picture as well. And people still remember it. Obviously, that's this day. So it's tell you what, it's thinking about it's really sweet to, to think about that point now and where we're at now. Um, I was gonna say, because you're you're probably because you, you obviously live in Leeds, so you're but you're still quite close to home. So every time you go yeah. home, you probably are 
seeing some of these people and you're probably having that sort of you know that bit of sweet like i've i'm doing this i'm doing this you know i've got this successful business what what are you doing kind of thing because it tends to like now more i've noticed it more than ever is the people who would take the piss out of me and my mates for doing what we did with like skateboarding they're the people who are now doing bog standard jobs that anyone could get and it's quite refreshing actually to see that that is what they're doing because in a bad way but also a good way because you kind of like well you didn't think that being abnormal from what you think is normal is okay so yeah you're stuck in this like little like it's, rough, that is, right? it's that small town mentality is what it is it's exactly that that's exactly that and the people in jobs that they don't like now I never wish bad on anyone, you know, like the people around me, my friends around me, even people that have, you know, annoyed me or, or done something in the past. I'll, I'll never be a dickhead to them. But at the same time, it's like, I'm in my own lane now. I'm in my own, I've got my team around me. I've got my clients, I've got my business, I've got my mentors. And this is where I'm heading. These are the goals I want to achieve. Um, and for me, when I go back now, like it was strange. I went, I went to the pub, like the pub that everyone goes to in Mayfield for like a few months ago. And um, it was, I saw like my old, like some of my old friends from high school and it was just so strange to like, yes, how are you doing? And I just thought like, now you're acting like this. But back then when you're saying all this shit, like, you know, now you want to know. So it is bittersweet inside because I know I'm just cracking on doing my thing. I'm not, I'm not trying to show up in Murfield and be, you know, be the guy of the town. Like I just crack on, do my thing, make money and um, travel the world. <laughs> Nice. It's great. It's great to hear. But like you, you mentioned, obviously, you have your circle of people around you now. But pro, uh, where, did you sort of figure that out at the time where obviously these people were taking the piss and taking the piss yeah. quite often? Did yeah. you figure out, right, I need the right people around me to be able to do what I want to do without judgment? Yeah, so that was in about, yeah, obviously, yeah, year 90 or 11 was quite rough for me, I'll be honest. Um, we had, I had a big group of friends, like we were in a big circle, um, you know, we all used to go out and do stuff together. And then they got to a point where it boiled over massively and it kind of kicked off and I just distanced myself away from them. So I would say from about year 11 to about 19, 20, that's when I was finding myself. That's when I was, you know, shout out to my, my good friend, Elliot. So he was my first business partner in EJ events, Elliot Rain. Now we were, we've been through a lot together. Now he's got a very successful crypto business and we've come from the same place. And he was probably one of the only people from, from that area that stood by me. Um, another guy called Sam Robinson. If you're watching this, I want to shout out to you as well. Uh, and then my other friends from like Leeds and, and the other areas like Alex and John and stuff. They, these guys have always been there. But yeah, I would say that period from like the late teens to like early 20s, definitely just finding myself, finding my circle and just finding out with people who I actually want to hang out with um and then yeah now like my circle looks ridiculously different now than it did then 100 it's 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 weird looking back at high school as uh, as a social dynamic in terms of high school is very much you're stuck with these people like 95 percent of the year and yeah. most of the like for, for me especially the, a lot of the people who i was around were not great people they weren't great people at the time yeah. you know they there was a difference between taking the piss and genuinely like out to harm someone. And yeah. I've, you know, I've been on the receiving end of that a few times and especially in yeah, high school. Yeah. And I remember then going to college, I was like, this is a revelation. Like I don't have to deal with dickheads on a daily basis. Now like, I can go away from it. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Like that, as soon as you leave, you figure it, you literally figure it out and you're like, I've gone through five years of this and I actually didn't need to do it. Like I could just have gone and found other people to speak to. But yeah. in high school, it's like all consuming and you feel like you're stuck. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously you left high school. Did you that you then went to college? Went to college. So I went to Huddersfield New College. So the option was I can either stay in Murfield and do the sixth form or just go out a bit out of town and meet new people and, and have new experiences, which obviously I did the latter. Yeah. Okay. So you then obviously you got to you got to college. What did you study there? So I studied business and Spanish. So my mum's uh, from Ecuador, so I speak fluent Spanish. Um, so yeah, the natural made the natural kind of route was business and Spanish. Have it do it. Have it and do it together. And um, yeah, came up with some decent grades. To be fair, that's not bad. To be fair, because 
most people who go to you know go to college and become entrepreneurs probably usually do nothing to do with what they actually do but you i'm right in saying you have clients in spain as well now yeah so we have a client over in alicante oh shit i'm sorry um yeah so they're a spanish estate agent um yeah we've done their we do their marketing and when we talk about the goals for the future i want to talk about because spain is an area is the market that i'm looking to get into next year or the year yes yeah, so it's interesting that you've actually you picked the two perfect subjects really like that you're now utilizing today every day but yeah it's like it's just sort of you can sort of see a gradual career path already before you've even turned 18 but then when you turned 18 you didn't go to uni did you so no, take me through no. that decision <laughs> so so what i did was so obviously i finished college and i'm, I'm gonna go a bit personal here but basically i had a girlfriend at the time right and um we broke up and i thought to myself i was a bit lost i was like i want to do something a bit crazy so what i did was i moved to tanzania for just under two months to do some volunteering and um, I was like coaching lads how to play football, doing a bit of charity work. And honestly, one of the best experiences I've ever done in my life, like hands down. And then I came back and me and Elliot sat down together and we sat, I remember it was a Starbucks in Huddersfield. And we said, look, what can we start without any money? Because we, we didn't really have money at that time. So a few of the options that we looked at were like a shoe cleaning business. And then we were going to do like a, um, what's it like a comparison site for like tradespeople. We thought, nah, it's going to obviously got, got to do the website and the tech. Um, and then we thought events. We could just start an event. Like, we could literally just find a venue. They give us it for free. And, you know, we'll, we'll just put a little event on. And I remember the first event, it was um, a cocktail masterclass evening. Um, so, basically, we brought mixologists in to come do the, obviously, the, the showcase. And we would sell the tickets and make a markup on top. So, my old boss, because I used to work in a bar just part-time, he said, look, do it on a Thursday, the bar be quiet, you take the space for free, you make the profit on top of the tickets that you sell. Um, little did we know that we, <laughs> so we sold tickets, but the tickets from my family, my family's friends, my cousins, like everyone that we knew, they they literally, everyone I knew that event, apart from like one person, was was people related to me. So they, they did support me. Um, I forgot where I was going to this point. But yeah, so we started really small and we thought, actually, what can we do? So that was the first event that we did. Um, and then I had a decision because uh, I deferred my place, obviously, for that year. Um, but then it got to the end of that, uh, the end of the year following. I thought, actually, what do I want to do? Um, now, I was going to do international business management at the University of Newcastle. That was the offer that I got. Because um, at one point, I wanted to work for like a big corporate company. Like and my, my dream was always to work in hotels. And this is, again, something I'll talk about later, my, like my end goal um, about having my own international hotel chain. I think that's that's where I'm headed. Uh, but I always wanted to work in someone like the Hilton or the Marriott, like a high-end hotel, just because I love the experience of being in the hotels and, and that whole traveling aspect. And um, yeah, I said to my dad, I said, look, you know, I'm torn. In my heart of hearts, I knew uni wasn't for me. I just thought I could, you know, I'm going to be in the, I'm going to be in debt. I'm going to be getting pissed all the time. Yes, I might come out with a degree, but I feel like, and again, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say it. I feel like if you want to go into a profession, like being a, a doctor or a lawyer, Obviously, you need to get a university, you need to get a degree. But I feel like if you want to be a business person, like real life experience and learning from people doing business, in my opinion, it's way better. Um, and I'm, I'm, I can go into that more detail later on. But yeah, I thought in my heart of hearts, uni is not for me. Um, it's what society tells you to do. You know, it's the safe thing to do. Um, and to be honest, I'm very, very glad I did not go because... Uh, yeah, we won't be won't be in the position we're in today. But, but yeah, it's that's really interesting actually because you obviously it was a choice uni or start your own business, do your own thing, and yeah. you started your own business. But what was the thought process in terms of the failure, if the possible failure of it? Because a lot of yeah. people, like I know for myself, if I'm ever making the decision, I way overthink all the possible failures that could come up that 99% of the chat, like the time probably won't ever come up, but I will overthink yeah. them. Like, what were you like with that? I'll be honest. I'm a very, very impulsive person. Like if you said to me, right, let's go do this today. Bam, we'll go do it. I'm very fast paced and I like to move like that. So in my head, there was like, I've got nothing to lose. I live at home. Worst case scenario, we try it. It doesn't work. And then I look at my other options. So for me, failure didn't even think like, 
there was it wasn't an option. I just didn't think about it because I thought I've literally got nothing to lose at this point. I'm not like investing thousands of thousands. I'm just bringing an idea, bringing it all together, and you know, just running with it. I suppose. So then, obviously, you got it going, and your first event turned out to be everyone you knew was the was sort of the ones who bought tickets. So, yeah. like a lot of the time, people would sort of look at that and go, "Oh, this is like a bit of a fit." Like, not it's not a failure because you've sold tickets, but it's a bit of a failure because it's only people you know. Like, yeah, how yeah, absolutely. did you then think? Right, we're gonna then how how did you think we're gonna broaden our sort yeah, of yeah. scope of people we're gonna sort of target? How did you get to that? Yeah, yeah. So what we did was, was a few things that we did. So we we were try, very big on PR. So if you if you Google us, if you type in like Jotel Elliott or any EJ events, there's quite a few news articles about the events business that we did. Um, so that was the first thing. We got into papers. We got into the local magazine. And then off the local magazine, um, we got someone, a, a lady called, what was she called now? Nicola, Nicola from Mix and Twist. Shout out to her because she was a big help. She got in touch with us and said she'd seen our story, seen what we'd doing. And what she did was she started referring work that was too small for her, for the business she worked for, and gave it to us. So, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you in more, more depth about some of the events that we did, actually. And I'm quite proud of, of some of the events that we did in the end. Um, but, yeah, that was the first thing, getting out there, PR, networking as well. We spent a lot of time in Leeds. Um, so there's a big there's a big um, nightclub owner here in Leeds that Elliot made good friends with. He invited us to his networking events, and we met people, and then... A lady that we met at that event, she put us forward for an award. So that in 2019, we won the Young Entrepreneurs Award um, with TSB Bank. And again, I can talk to you more depth about that later on. And um, yeah, off the back off the back of that event, like we won that award, and then that brought a new opportunities and one of our biggest contracts that we secured, uh, which again I can talk about later. So yeah, to be honest, we're just getting out there, networking. We did obviously short socials as well, and uh, yeah, PR was a big one for us. That was a, a big part of the strategy it's it, it's crazy because events is not an easy business it's really like i've worked the year i took between finishing uni and then moving here i worked for a it was a cafe slash bar but an events business as well so they did weddings and things like that and i yeah. saw how hectic those days are so when there was just two of you how on earth did you manage these events like it's wild to think about <laughs> oh man so, God, I'm a fairly organized person. I'll, I'll tell you about one specific event. So I believe it's 2019, the summer of 2019 it was, yeah. And there was the Tardy Yorkshire. So you know the Tardy de France? They, they did a, a Yorkshire version of it. So there was like loads of celebrations in Yorkshire. Now, a guy that Elliot met at a networking event, shout out again to Mr. Dan Lakin. So he has a TP and like TP hire event. And he said to us, he said, look, I want you to plan this you know, this one day festival, we need rides, we need fairgrounds, we need sponsors, we need, basically, I need you to bring it all together. And so like, bring all the stores, bring all the sponsors, like, like, um, what's the word? Like liaise with everyone on the day and plan it and see where everyone's going. And um, yeah, bloody hell, that was a manic experience. So I was pretty much cold calling like local businesses saying, look, we've got this event. And I, I was selling the, the sponsorships and the stall pitches um and yeah it turned out to be a very very successful event like there was like a fair few hundred people there it was in the local town wow. in north leeds um i mean i've got i can i can obviously put pictures on as well and um yeah it was a really good event people were enjoying it we had loads of families there we had a whole range of different businesses pitching and i was like me and elliot came back off the back of that event and we were like how the hell did we pull that off like genuinely i don't know how i pulled that off it's, it's like a hundred million things to do. Um, it's it like, so I feel like at that point, you're probably just on overdrive. Just uh, It's more not thinking about, oh, crap, if this goes wrong, everything's sort of done for. It's more like, a, I need this done. It's like a glass half, half full, not half empty. You're just like, this needs to be done. And I don't care how it's done. It's getting done. Like, that's how I feel like you're coming across with that. Like, you were just on the ball with everything. I had to be it because, obviously, Dan had put his, his trust into us, gave us an opportunity as young lads, and we had to deliver. It was as simple as that. You know, there's, there was no other option. Um, and another event that I want to talk about. So, again, Nicola, she passed us this job, and it was to, we basically had to host and 
you know, run a wedding. So someone's actual wedding day. So bear in mind, there's me that's 19 years old. There's Elliot, who's still in a full-time job, in a corporate job. Never done a wedding, never done bartending, nothing like that before. And basically, the, this was the brief. So we had to basically plan all the food out, get it all served, get it all heated, get all the drinks and the snacks out, set up all the tables, host the event as well. So we had to, I had to bring like four, I think it was four or five staff that we had to like be waitresses and, and pretty much like run the whole day. And mate, like that was the craziest thing I ever did. Craziest, craziest thing I ever did. Like someone's actual wedding day entrusted to two 19 year old lads. And there was another 17 year old lad, Will Naylor. So he helped, he helped start a shout out to Will. And there was my brother-in-law who worked in a restaurant. So he had the experience of like running a kitchen. And then we had another girl called Lucy who also done some waitressing. So it was basically like five young people, not really event catering professionals, if I'm honest. You know, this is what you would pay an actual event catering specialist to do. And we delivered a fantastic wedding and the client was ridiculously happy. Like, but that was honestly one of the most stressful things in my life. That's I, very high stakes. Very, very high stakes. Very high stakes, mate. Like I had to do the, I did the wreckage just before. Sarah, she said, right, I need this out on this. This is the starter. This is the main this out needs to be served. These are the tables. These are the drinks. Everything. So I had to go down there, and I remember I was leading the team in this one, and I was like, "Wow!" Like everyone was pulling through, and everyone did such an amazing job. But at the end of it, mate, we were all shattered. Like honestly, like it was one of the craziest days I've ever had. I'll never forget that. Um, but it's, yeah, that, that, that was an event I wanted to talk about because I know, obviously, I've I can I've seen how events are run and how they work. Mm. You must have been putting in some like. 60 70 80 hour weeks in the build-up to those massively and the, and the biggest one that we did so it's the final event i'll talk about so you know victory in europe day was supposed to be in the may of 2020 like it was v like the, the celebrations i don't know if you're in england at that point but basically yeah. it was going to be a big celebration and we won a contract um quite a you know very good contract and um basically and i need to be careful about what what i say on this podcast for, for this event in particular but yeah basically we had an event that we were that we were in charge of it was gonna be like a three-day event ten thousand people we had to get like honestly all singing all dancing and and that was that was probably the most stressful thing i've ever done like being responsible ten thousand ten thousand people yeah that's that was the attendance that we had projected yeah so it was so, going to be a massive event, massive event. At this point, two 20-year-old lads are organising a 10,000-person event. Oh, my God. <laughs> honestly, mate, honestly. And then what we did was we brought we actually brought an event professional in to come work with us because at that point we knew that we can't do it, just the two of us. But basically, there was, actually, there was another guy, Niall, Niall Keller, shout out to Niall. He was also a big, big help in this. So there was pretty much four of us. But Niall had a little bit of experience, but there was really one event professional there. That's insane. It was, honestly, when I look back at it, it's bonkers, mate. Absolutely bonkers. So, um, but it was good. <laughs> you said you said that was supposed to be in COVID, May 2020. Yeah, so absolutely. It never happened. Then COVID hits, and absolutely. as we all know, events business don't work in COVID. So yeah. you're pretty much left without a job you had this successful business that was on the rise obviously yeah. if you're hosting a ten thousand capacity event and then all of a sudden you're told to shut down no more work how yeah. do you as a business owner in that kind of field how did you deal with that so obviously the first we had to do was we had to obviously lay off the staff which is obviously a sad thing we there was literally like the revenue just stopped overnight like as soon as we knew we were going into lockdown like we had obviously cash in the bank pay people for what they did for us we basically said this is the end of the road like we it's not going to get better anytime soon it really was as simple as that you know and then me and elliot had a had a chart we had a few deep charts we had a few disagreements i'm sure i'd agree with me and it was quite a stressful time for us um but then i thought i made a list of what the things i wanted to achieve in lockdown and one and the first thing was to learn how to run facebook ads i was just intrigued i knew it would be a, a good skill again i thought Events open, events industry might open like three months. So I'll learn, I'll learn how to run the ads now. So when we do open back up, what we can do is we can run the ads and we can have bigger events and we can get more marketing. I never viewed it as a business model. And um, yeah, I just kind of thought, these are my options. I spoke to my mom and dad. I said, look, I'm going to either buy this course. I'm either just going to get like a you know, like a warehouse job because they were the only ones really going at that time. It's a lot like eight, 10 pound an hour. 
or I'm going to try hopefully get a digital marketing job. But obviously the prospects were, were not looking good at that point. Uh, and then uni again crossed my mind. Oh, should I just go to uni, get a degree, all that good stuff. Um, but no, I chose to invest in the course, learn Facebook ads, and you know that led to eGrowth Media. It's, pro it's probably a good time to ask this question now because you had to make a decision there where you had to lay off staff, shut a business down, all that yeah. sort of stuff. How are you? So how did you come to deal with the fact, like, you had this attachment to this business? This was your first proper business, that, and it was a yeah. very successful yeah. business. How did you detach yourself from it in a way that you could make the smart decision to then move on? and find something else how did you get yeah. there again similar to like how i first started the business i thought look as long as i pay the people that i owe i've got a little bit of money i can invest and i can go ahead and do my own thing i thought as long as i've got that and everything else all the legal side of things is covered then i've got nothing to lose at this point again like realistically we're all in lockdown you know it's going to be hard for me to get a proper job you know i might be able to get a part-time or as i said work in a warehouse but i thought you know what now is an opportunity for me to use this and come out of lockdown with a skill and um yeah that's obviously what happened so obviously you did that and then you realized you could create a business model from facebook ads so i want to ask about your first client how you got your first client for yeah. the facebook ads and sort of how you dealt with it because obviously it's a completely new field to you yeah. it's, it's so far from what you did previous like how did you deal with that as a as a whole project on your own yeah very good question so my first client was a gentleman called Mr. Stephen Pardo. So Mr. Stephen Pardo is now my mentor and he's actually a client of ours again at this uh, the, at the time of recording this. Um, so he put a story out on Facebook saying, uh, looking for help, any Facebook ads guys, any recommendations? Um, I just messaged him, I said, look, you know, we're obviously we're a new business, this is what we do, Facebook ads, like lead generation, you know, do you want to give it a go? Now, he, he was my, as I said, first client, only a couple of hundred quid obviously just testing the water. And I remember jumping on a call with him. I said, look, I'm going to get you these results. And bearing in mind, I've never done this. Now, anyone that knows how to run Facebook ads knows the complexity is in the back end of the ads manager is like, it's like a minefield, like people just get lost. Obviously, I just finished this course as well. So this was in the June, July time of 2020. So I navigated, but not really done anything on it. Never spent money. And the first thing was, I thought, this client, this person is trusting me with their money to generate them results. I was I was honestly ridiculously anxious because I thought he's a good guy, he's a good friend. If I don't get any results from him, get him no leads, then he's obviously not going to use me again. He's not going to rec recommend me. Um, but in actual fact, we so basically his business was he owned a building, a commercial building, and he needed more tenants, so basically more businesses to rent out the offices. Uh, and we took him from about I believe it was about sixty percent occupancy to like ninety two percent. So we generated him like one hundred and eighty leads. So he gave us a massive testimonial. He was buzzing with it. And that was the first ever kind of foray into Facebook advertising and that's, marketing. That's kind so, of lucky, but it was probably knowing you and the way you've been about your stuff and the way you talk about yourself, it's probably, it was guaranteed to happen. But it feels like it was such a lucky thing saying, I'm definitely, like you went to him and went, I 100% will get you this. And you had no idea if you would or not. Like you're really jumping a gun there and sort of, yeah. you know, hope just it's just hoping for the best at that point it is i mean i've done obviously i've done a bit of obviously with the course that i bought there was it touched on that absolutely but i never physically spent money on facebook ads like i never ran campaigns or anything like that so it, yeah it was pretty much hope and a little bit of training that i'd had um but yeah no guarantees obviously as you can imagine so um yeah that was that was crazy um, so you obviously mentioned he is now your mentor Talk to me about the importance of a mentor as an entrepreneur and actually in general, in, in just general life, what is the importance of an entrepreneur, uh, a mentor to you? A mentor, yeah. I believe, and I think most successful people, if not all, will agree with me, that every mentor, every person needs a mentor. It's as simple as that in any element of your life. So for, a mentor for me is someone that comes in and tells me what I'm doing wrong, looks at the business from a holistic view, because sometimes I, I get caught in the micro, oh, this isn't working, this isn't working, but not actually any strategy on how to move the business forward. So the mentors that I've worked with have all helped me in different elements. Um, big shout out to Chris, Chris Taylor, Ben, um, Ben and Steve, you you three guys have been huge, and Chris Henry as well. So 
I think for me, mate, honestly, like it's just someone that could come in there, showcase what I'm doing and, and just helps me along the way. Um, mentors for me have been a huge, huge help. Um, so yeah. obviously you've had a couple of mentors by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Probably a good one. Uh, a good one for the most people to listen to is how do you decide who the right mentor for you is? And then also how do you then decide this person is no longer right for me? Now it's time yeah. to move on because a lot of people, once they've got a mentor, they'll stick with them forever, even if they're yeah, not yeah. right for them. How did you yeah, yeah. decide that, say, this person wasn't right and this person was? Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. So, as I said, my first mentor was actually one of my dad's good friends. So, he's a gentleman called Chris Henry. Now, Chris has helped me. He's seen the business basically go from nothing to obviously not probably about six months ago we stopped working together. But he's helped me in that purpose. He's instilled the discipline. Something I lacked was discipline. Like, for example, like I'd turn up to meetings 10 minutes late or I, would, I didn't have, I, for the first year and a half, I didn't actually have an accountant. So I was just running the business through like the bank transactions. Like I had no profit and loss, no balance sheets, no accounts, nothing. Um, yeah, it was basically run like a, you know, a bit of a joke. And he instilled the discipline and the importance of getting systems, getting people and getting things in place. So that was, so yeah. He helped me up to that point. And then I thought, actually, I need to find someone who's actually in the marketing agency world and who's built like, you know, you know, very, very successful like marketing agency. So that's why I found a, a, a few people. So Ben Archer being number one. So I still work with him now. Um, he's a great guy. He's got a very big business. Um, he's helped me scale pretty much double what we're doing six months ago to where we are now. Um, I believe when I look, when I spoke to the accountant, we've grown 223% since wow. this time last since this time last year so we have really really scaled um so yeah start working with him and then i work with another gentleman called chris taylor so the, another business that i'm launching is is still egrof media but it's going to be egrof education basically instead of us doing the marketing for clients i'm going to do an online course where clients can actually learn how to do their own marketing using the modules it's like an online e-learning platform uh, and chris is very good at these kind of businesses and um, so that's what he does so that's what he specializes in so I basically paid him and he's taught me how to do this and i just need to build a course now and then and get it marketed i suppose um and then yeah that's and obviously steve we we're working together as well he helps more on the the general business you know the overall holistic view of the business um yeah. and, and the more yeah macro stuff so obviously we we've talked about your mentors but there there's a clear element of networking like You've mentioned so many names throughout this podcast. You can tell you're just constantly like hitting up new people for new th for obviously different things. Yeah. So talk to me about the importance of networking and how networking with, you know, people from all over the place, from different businesses, from different walks of life, how that progresses you and your business. Massively, massively. I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. So I'm on a mastermind at the moment with Jordan Platten and, um, one of the men, one of the other, other masterminders, shout out to Shane. Shane came to me and said, look, I know um, these property people that want marketing, basically. I don't want to do it. Do you want to do it? So basically, he arranged a call yesterday, and we signed a client yesterday. A very nice, a sizable amount as well. Um, so that was through the power of networking, is my point. So if I hadn't have spoke to Shane, told Shane what I did and what, what I offered, he wouldn't have made that introduction. And obviously, we got the deal done. Um so yeah, that just goes back to my point. Like you don't know who you don't know. It's not necessarily the person you meet. It's the person who that person knows. It's the people that person knows. Because um, yeah, for me, I've had opportunities where people have said, oh, this person's recommended you. They've been seeing your stuff online. You know, this person was chatting about you. Can we chat about this? And yeah, as soon as you get your name out there and you get visible, like opportunities start to happen um, in that respect. So yeah, I, I love talking to people. I love I love showing what we do. I'm starting to do a lot more public speaking now as well, um, which is an area I'm actually going to get a mentor on because I'm, I'm not nowhere near good enough in terms of public speaking where I want to be yet. Um, but I'm going to go through some training to, to improve my, my public speaking. So Sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, I want to go on to sort of eGrowth Media now. And you mentioned that you want, want to start eGrowth Education. But yeah. I feel like... They're very two contrasting businesses, obviously within one though, where the education could take away from the e-growth media. Because yep. if you're educating clients, they then don't need you anymore. So what's the thought process behind it? Sure. It's a good it's a good question. So 
not every client can afford, not every prospect can afford our services. You know, it's as simple as that. Like not, not everyone can, you know, um, and we offer do, I offer one-to-one -one consulting as well, which is obviously a very, very good service still, but I want to help a lot more people and people maybe just getting started out in property that want to get a few leads, but can't afford, you know, either a big consultancy fee or for us to manage them on a month by month basis. So I feel like there will be people that are just time poor and that will want an agency like us to run their ads and to do their social medias. But then there'll be some that are just starting out that need to get that foot in the door, you know, and we can help them with the lower ticket products. They can just obviously go ahead and learn, you know, whenever they want. And um, so I don't think I will lose clients because um, a lot of my clients are very, very busy developers and investors and they don't have time to, to be doing their own socials and ads. Um, and then eGrowth Media, obviously, it was just you at the start in, in your own bedroom. At what yeah. point did you, because I feel like the biggest decision within a business is hiring the second person yes. at what point did you realize like i need more people but also think i have to do it absolutely have to do it yeah yeah, yeah. good point so pretty much straight away once we had like a few clients i outsourced so i used freelancers so contractors basically they would charge me a price i charge the client a price and then obviously we make the markup on top so i ran that business model for about a year and then I got to a point where um, I needed it in-house. We were too busy. Um, we'd just done our first 10 grand month. And um, yeah, a guy called Ahmed walked through my office. And um, yeah, pretty much he, he sold himself. Um, and we worked together for a good, it was that 10 months actually. Uh, and that really helped me, allowed me to scale it. Basically, I stepped off the tools. He stepped on the tools. I could then focus on business growth, business development, and, um, you know, just scaling up, I suppose. A lot of entrepreneurs from what i've seen online they speak about how hard it is to step away from the nitty-gritty stuff to a, to allow for the business development so how did you because it sounds like you did it pretty easily so how did you come to that sort of decision to make to obviously bring that person in and step away rather than working alongside them yeah i mean Good, good question. So I, di I didn't just give them the work and, and not check up. Like I was checking up, to be honest, more than I did when I did it myself. So he he was doing the service delivery. I gave him the brief and then I just, and then he actually implemented the brief. Um, so it was like a transition. So I, I, it wasn't just completely detached. It was actually, you do this brief, you do this content plan. I will check over, bang, we approve, you send to the client, off we go. So that was that. I mean, at the moment, because we are scaling massively, um, I'm back in the micro, um, which is something I'm trying to get back out of again. So we are hiring someone else. So she's starting on the 17th of October, um, again, to come in and, and just alleviate some of the, the stuff that I'm getting involved with at the moment. So, yeah, it's not it's not easy, I'll be honest, mate. Um, I still do it as well. Like, I shouldn't be checking content plans at this point, but I still do. I still check up on spelling mistakes and all that stuff. So... Yeah, it's uh, it's not easy, um, but as soon as you get past that, then you can, you can you've got time to scale and you can just focus your efforts on other things, you know. So when you're hiring these new people, because that you have five uh, employees now and there's a, a sixth coming in. So, so we've got at the moment we've got five. So we've got three in house uh, and two freelancers. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So how do you sort of decide? the right people who are the right people for you yeah good point so at the moment in the business we've got diego and mo so they're like my two right hand they're like my two right hand men um so what i did was i was away on a mastermind and um, so what i did was i got them to the first round of interviews obviously they know what i'm like they know i like to move fast with things they know you know i'm always here there and everywhere right so i said to them i said look this is the kind of person we need i want you guys to meet at first because you'll be working more closely with him or her um, so they did the first round of interviews and then I did the second round of interviews. And then what we did was we just sat together and we said, look, there was one clear winner. Let's offer her a job. And we think she's going to be the right fit. So I got the team involved in that. I think that's very important. Like a lot of business owners, they might just do it themselves or do it with the directors. Obviously, we're still a small business. So, you know, we don't have, you know, like a board of directors yet. And um, so, yeah, I just thought, get them involved. They're going to be working with a third, second opinion. Um, and then we can make the best decision from there. And uh, yeah, that's what we did. So as a, as a business owner, you obviously have to make these decisions on who comes in and all that kind of thing. But have you ever had a situation where you've had to alleviate someone of duties? This is always an interesting one to me. 
this is always uh, interesting to ask. Again, I'm gonna have to be very careful what I say here. I'm oh, for sure. Yeah, don't don't say anything that you shouldn't. Don't mention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just, I, I just sort of the the con like the context of how you decided on getting rid of someone. Like then they weren't um, right for the business. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell the I'll tell you the situation and I'll tell you how we got to the decision. So, um. Yeah, so what happened was I needed a social media quick social media manager quick time. So that was what we were hiring for. I'd gone through recruitment agencies, I'd done some indeed job ads, and though this one person who I thought, yes, this person is gonna be like the one. Um, to be honest, in hindsight, like now what I do when I recruit is I get the person to do a task so I can see what kind of ability that they're at. But because I was on a time frame, because I was stressed because I didn't hire properly. I just thought she's the best. Uh, yeah, that person's the best out of a bad bunch. Um, and um, yeah, so basically, I, I brought the person on, and um, yeah, within five days, literally five days, I realised that this person wasn't it. Um, the quality of work wasn't there. The enthusiasm, and I was actually dreading going to work. I'll be honest, and because it was just me and her in the uh, keep saying me and her. All right, so me and the person, me and the person in the office. Um, I just thought, nah, I can't do this. Like, this is this is not work. This is gonna be, you know, it's not gonna be fun. And um, the clients, I can't bring her on. I can't bring the person on to clients yet as well. I wasn't confident in the abilities. So, yeah, basically, five days in, um, we both agreed that it's just not the one. So I, I had to, as the old saying goes, hire slow, fire fast, uh, which yeah. is what I did there. So. Um, it's actually interesting to come on to. So you say now you would ask people to do a task. So mm -hmm. when it comes to the hiring process, yeah. to you, what what is more important, the qualifications or someone's portfolio? Because now I feel like we're going to an age where qualifications actually don't matter. It's what yes. you can produce is what matters. So what what's more important for you? Do you want me to be deadly honest? You know when it says like the their uh, educational achievements? on the cv yeah i don't even i don't even look at it like i genuinely don't really? even look at it. no i don't even i genuinely don't even look at it what i look at is a few things so the first thing is obviously the experience so if we're hiring for a senior position then obviously they need experience number two the cover letter as well very important like why do they want to work for us so if they put the time and effort into creating something like that they're going to put the time and effort into our clients and into the business uh, and then the third thing is meeting them meeting them in person excuse me meeting them in person and seeing what they're about. Like for me, I'm a big energy person. Like if I can see myself having good energy with you, that you're going to be in the trenches with us. Because what I said to the, like the guys that work for me, like this is not a normal like nine to five. It's like, we're all on a mission to scale. We're all on a, we've all got personal development goals. We all want to scale our own businesses, you know, our own ventures, our own revenue, you know? Um, so I need to find someone that fits that model because it's, we're very, you know, very fast paced here. Um, so yeah, I don't even look at um. The, so why why not why not why, why not, not the education why not the education? So number one, um, I feel like the education system is very outdated. I'll be completely honest with you. I feel like I'll agree. Well, the skills that I've learned through you know I've got an accountant now. I'm gonna have a financial advisor. I pay tax. I pay VAT. I manage staff. I do payroll. Like all these real life skills and like budgeting and cash flow forecasting. This is all that all the stuff that I've learned is through doing the business. Um, and I feel like if I'd have gone to uni and learned about business, I'd just learn it from a textbook. Um, I definitely wouldn't have had the experience that I've got now. So for me, I just don't, what's the word? I don't relate to like education anymore. Yes, it served me. I got my GCSEs, I got my A-levels. Yeah, good, fine. But it's not got me to where I am today because of that. Not a chance. So if you have two identical people, two, two identical CVs, to uh -huh. as amazing cover letters, like they both are incredible, but one has been to university, one has not. Who do you pick? I have to meet them. I have to meet them both in person. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, even I, then, I, it doesn't matter. No, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. I would have to meet them both in person. And the person who I feel aligns with what we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to do here, I would go with that person. So That's out of them two, if I'd not met them in person, it'd be. If I had to make a decision, yeah, I'd go with the. I would go with the person who had a degree. Voice um, of last resort. Voice of last resort. I definitely want to meet them in person and see what they're about. That's 100%. really interesting because a lot. What I find frustrating for me, well, from what you see online, there's so many businesses that go. We want you to have 
you know, it's an entry level job and it'll say, we want you to have a master's degree in X and we want you to have four years experience entry level. And I'm like, if, how do you expect me to get the degree and the experience? It doesn't make any sense. It, it's not feasible. Uh, you know, when you're going through uni, you're pretty much spending all your time on coursework and that kind of thing. You're not getting four years of full-time experience. There's no chance. This is it. And it's just about being realistic, I think, with what people can achieve in, in certain time frames. Yeah, but like, don't get me wrong. Like, there's like I'm I'm doing uh, my PhD, so I've literally I've gone the academic route, which it's works for me. It's yeah, that's yeah. you know what you I've made that work. Asking? Say again. Uh, what are you studying, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, so it's the health implications of gender affirming hormone therapy and how it relates to wow. sports participation and sporting guidelines. That's what I'm edging towards. Um, nice. So it's quite it's quite topical, quite in the media. Um, yeah, yeah. in terms of the topic itself so yes yeah, like for me education has pushed me in the right direction but i feel like for a lot of people you know i did sports science as my bachelor's so it's one of the worst degrees out there there's no applicability of what you learn really to an actual sports setting because you then leave sports science and go oh i need to go and do a master's um an extra paid course this amount of experience, like it's, you, you know, you end up in 50 grand of debt for, for what? Absolutely nothing. You know, this is the problem. This is where I don't agree with it. I'll be honest, but I feel like if you, if you know what you want to go into, like you've got a clear path that you want to go into then. And if it's essential for the job, then yeah, of course do it. It needs to be done. But from my, you know, just from my personal experience, being wanting to be an entrepreneur, it just wasn't right for me but yeah obviously be you know be selfish right for you in it so we're all yeah. different you know there's that, no there's no right or wrong that's exactly my point and i think that's where the education system's broken is it should be built for everyone to no matter what level like i feel like there should be a qualification for going and you know spending x amount of time within a business in a business setting doing a role that should be a qualification in and of itself because you know going and getting a a bachelor's, a bachelor's of finance doesn't mean anything unless you've applied it. The application is the most important part. Absolutely. But you know what? You know, what I think, mate, I'll, I'll be honest. I think the system and like the society we live in, like, and I say this to people, like, they don't, they don't want us to be rich. Like, the system isn't built for us to be wealthy and to have investments and to have multiple businesses and portfolios. It's just not made like that. You know, the route we're taught is to, to get a job, you know, grow the ladder, go up the ladder, you know, retire at 67 and then have 15 years of freedom. You know, obviously we get, you know, 30 days annual leave a year. I, I just personally, I think there's more to life than that. Hence why I'm building the business. And, that, you know, that's what I champion for all my staff as well. Like, we're here to have fun in the meantime. Why do we want to, why should we wait till we're 67 until we can go travel the world, go, you know, chase our dreams? I just, I yeah, really like, just, I just don't agree with it. You took your staff to Ibiza, if I'm right in saying, didn't you? No, so I, I took my staff to Tenerife last year. Um, so th there was three of us at that point. So, yeah, I, I was in Ibiza on a mastermind this year. Uh, but, okay. yeah, I took my staff to Tenerife. And I took, I took um, one of my other employees, went to Gibraltar, and we went to Madeira as well in that year. And what we did was we literally went there, we did work in the morning, and then we had fun in the afternoon. And we came back feeling like a million dollars, just refreshed and ready to go. And it like, was amazing. That is for for an employee that's got to be the best the best feeling knowing you're going to work with someone who's like you know we might take a trip away for a week and we can work a bit and actually go and do whatever we want and you know someone who actually understands work-life balance because i find a lot of people especially older people older generations yeah. don't understand work-life balance and they literally they spend most of their life in work and then they get to the end of it and they've got nothing other than tangible things like you know objects that mean nothing they, they've got nothing other than that yeah and they, they get to the deathbed and family don't want to speak to them because they spent so much time in work they've got no friends because yeah. all the friends were from work like yeah i feel like now there's this shift where we're realizing actually we can work hard but actually can I play harder and you know in a very very good way that's actually working well for businesses 
And it's all about balance. I, I say this, like, I'm, I work a lot. I, I do work a lot, I'll be honest. Like, Monday to Friday, like, you know, I work, I don't know, eight to eight. Um, but it's because I'm pushing the needle forward. It's because I've got goals in mind, right? But when I go away, like, my retreat is it's not – my retreat is not nice out. Like, I will go on a night out, but I don't get my enjoyment and my satisfaction from that. I get my enjoyment from, like, doing, like, fun stuff. So, for example, like, I've booked a skydive. That's always something I wanted to do. Um, I'm going to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro next March as well. Um, Amazing. So, just stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. That's what fulfills me. And I feel like, you know, you work hard and you can do the things that you want to enjoy. But it's all in moderation. Like, people always ask me, why do you go away so much? How do you, how do you go away so much? And it's, it's all a question of priorities. Like, if you budget, you save, and you invest, and you sacrifice in the short term, then you'll be able to read the rewards in the long term, you know, because people spend hundreds of pounds, you know, going nights out every weekend, you know, they do that every single weekend that adds up. Like you could use that money to book a flight, to go on a city break, to do this, to do that. Like you can go and do fun stuff. The, the only problem is they're just not prioritizing that because it's not important to them. It's the short term gratification, which we as humans naturally, we like, you know, you know, the, the, we like things fast. We like to enjoy ourselves. Now we don't want the pain now, but if you put the pain now, and then you you can enjoy later is what is what I'm trying to say, and that's what I certainly do as well. So, you know, that's why I like to go on holidays and go away and be here and there, and you know, one hundred percent on the same wavelength as you with that. You know because I mean? all my money through uni, I saved to go abroad, to go experience new things, go to these new places. The best time ever, didn't you? Oh, like you, the the best times I've had are going abroad meeting people like doing random new things that you've never thought yeah. you'd do yeah. like i was talking to the, the guy on the, uh my mate on the last podcast and we were talking about the time that we missed a train and had to hitchhike through austria on skateboards like the, <laughs> that is brilliant that is amazing when would that ever happen in england like it just wouldn't you know it's like oh that's and the thing is mate, that that's a story you'll remember forever that's something oh. you'll tell your kids and your grandkids or when your next goes to Austria, like that is something that if you didn't save the money and delay your application and did that, then you wouldn't have had that experience. Fully. No? And it's like the, you know, if you're going on a night out every weekend, you don't remember 90% of them. And, but when you have those moments when you go traveling and you, you know, with the, the people you like to be around the most, they're vivid memories that you will remember forever because it's such a, it's such a key moment of like, you, you have this like sort of overwhelming euphoria at the time of like, shit, this is what I'm doing right now. Yeah, exactly. It's honestly, mate, it's just, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. But what, what, what's the saying? You can, you can take off water, but you can't make a drink like that. People need to decide what they want from life. You know, not everyone wants to, you know, be an entrepreneur or travel, but for me, I feel like I've got the most experiences from meeting new people, from traveling, doing new experiences. And, and just having fun while you're doing it. A, a good thing to lead into from that um, yeah. is something you said in one of your interviews, because obviously we're talking about experiences rather than superficial things. And you said yeah. in one of your interviews, if it's superficial, for example, for Instagram or to prove people wrong, you're not going to succeed. Yeah. So what did you mean by that in like sort of what context? Yeah. So my point is when you, and this is, you know, when you said earlier about like, that sweet feeling about them them being not the same in, in, a, in a box on the job and you've been different and having that sweet revenge. I believe that if you try to do things to please other people, you will never be internally satisfied. Now, when I first started the business, probably not Egroff, maybe EJ, like there was a bit of ego, I'll be honest. And and people that knew me from my high school, you know, would say the same thing. I, you know, I did have a bit of an ego, if you want me to be honest. Um, and that probably came at a point of wanting to prove people, you know, prove people to prove to people that I'm different, that I'm better, even though I wasn't. Um, and I was never fully satisfied. But now, like, because I'm so focused on what I'm trying to do, like being in my own lane, like now I don't, I don't have to prove anyone to anyone, like anything to anyone. And I genuinely, I genuinely am just in my own lane, just doing my own thing and I'm, and I'm happy for it. And, and as soon as I stopped trying to prove people and prove to people I was being successful, um, I just became free and, and, and liberated, if I'm honest. It's it's a definitely an amazing thing once you realise that actually no one cares what you have or what you do. It's what you do with it yourself is yeah. what is the most satisfying thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
so now what is next for what is next for Joe Taylor and what is next for eGrowth Media and these different businesses that you're thinking of? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll tell you my, my short term goals. So want to double the size that we're at the moment. So really aiming for like the half a million to, to three quarters of a million within the next 12 months. After that point, want to gear it in a position to I'm still torn whether we sell it or we, or I keep it and get like a COO in and then I just do other things. Um, but we'll see how that goes. So we definitely want to keep scaling uh, past the million mark. Um, secondly, what I want to do is kind of what I told you before. So me being obviously being able to speak fluent Spanish, we work with property investors and property professionals in the UK. But what I've realized is there's a demand for like Spanish estate agents who want to attract UK buyers. Now we can do that through social media and social media ads. So we don't need to be in Spain. But what I want to do is I'm going to do it next year. Go out to Spain, just meet, just set meetings with like loads of agents and get a few clients in that country. Find someone who can run Facebook ads in Spain over there. Get them to freelance under me and eventually set up like a second office, like a second base in Spain. Not decided where yet, maybe on like the Costa del Sol. But that's definitely a goal to have like two offices, one in, one in Leeds and then one in like the south of Spain. That's the second thing. Um, moving off the back of that, I, I definitely want to get into property myself. So um, this leads to obviously me doing the hotels. Like my end end goal is to have the next chain of the Hiltons, but like obviously a, a you know more modern luxury feel. Um, so that's going to start by doing like small property, then doing like commercial conversions, then maybe doing like small apartment hotels, and then moving on to that. But that's like the 20, 30 year plan. So yeah, I mean, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing, keep traveling. Uh, one of my other goals is to visit 75% of the world before I die. So I've got about, yeah, I've literally got it on my, on my map. Um, I want to do scuba dive. I want to become, I want to do my paddy. Um, what else I want to do? Kilimanjaro, obviously, next year. And just, just keep having experiences um, and become better at public speaking as well. Um, How much of the world have you seen so far? So I've got an app, which I can tell you right now. Um, is it Bean? So there's an app. Oh, it's Bean. Yeah, <laughs> I've got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I've created 45% of Europe. Yeah. 15% of the world. So I've got another 60%. You're edging me out slightly. I'm at 12% of the world, mate. <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll have that race. See if we can get oh, 75%. Gotta <laughs> be done, mate. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see how everything progresses because I think it'd be good like you've said it there you want to be sort of the 20 30 year goal is like uh you're the next Hilton's and it like how good would it be for you to look back on something like this in 20 30 years time you know yeah. sat at the top of one and be like I did it you know 23 year old me had this goal and I did it mm -hmm. so it's gonna be the sweetest feeling ever I mean, even now, like, I'll just tell you something quickly before we wrap up. So people ask me, what's, you know, how do you attract things? Do you believe in the, you know, the, the law of attraction and abundance and, and, and manifesting, right? So I'll tell you one thing now. In fact, let me get it up. On my memories, this was about two years ago. Let's see if I can find it now. I want to I wanna show, show it to you guys. Um, oh, yeah, here it is. So this was two years ago from the 3rd of October. So pretty much two years to the day. And I put that on my Snapchat and it said next car pending. Now at this point, the business wasn't doing like, we'd just been going about what, six months, something like that. So we were nowhere near at a stage um, that obviously I could afford a car like that. But what I did was I saw that car, I put it as my like lock screen saver on my phone. And then in the March of 2021, so it did take me just over a year, year and a half. Um, I bought that exact car. Um, Amazing. Mate, and that is that is a class little story. Um, just to, I don't know, it's like it just obviously that's small scale, but you're then doing that with the business as well, which is just you know it breeds positivity and breeds into everything you do such like good energy that actually you will get to where you want to get no matter what. And that's what Simple that's what I've got from this. Let me, uh, I'll just get that picture. So yeah, that that was the Madness. day that bought. So. That just honestly goes to show that if you if you believe your goals into existence, they can happen. It yeah. really is. It's not as simple as that. But if you if you don't believe that you'll be successful, you'll never be successful. If you believe you're going to be successful, you will be successful. Um, you've just got to attach with what you're doing with with your deep inner why. That's what you need to yeah. do. So last question, and I'll, I'll yeah. let you go because I know you're a busy man. How would you like to be remembered? 
Ooh. I would like to remember there's someone that... Oh, good question. I think they gave a lot back and that helped other people. So I'm a big champion in like, I want all my staff, I want all my people around me to do well. I want to be known for someone that says, oh, this guy helped me do this. This is what I got a result out of. That's the first thing. I think I want to be remembered for being a kind and, and like inspirational person, um, you know, that that's, that can just leave an impact on people's lives. Um, third thing, I want to be known for, yeah, being rich, <laughs> being rich and wealthy <laughs> and, you know, having the next chain of hotels um, and, and, and yeah, and just, yeah, that, that's it really, to be honest. Amazing, mate. That has been a class interview. Absolutely loved every second of it. Um, I will link your socials and stuff in yeah, uh, the comments of everything. Is there anything you want people to know about? Anything you, you want to sort of plug before you go? Um, I just want to say that if you if you believe in yourself, if you make, you know, if you believe in yourself, go out there and make things happen. Like find the right people, find the right education, find a plan. Don't chase the shiny penny, which a lot of people do. I'll try one thing, I'll double another thing, I'll do this, I'll do that. Focus on one thing, get good at it, find people who are good at it, rinse and repeat, be consistent in whatever it is that you want to do, whether it's a business, photography, any any walk of life, you will get to where you want to be. And I just feel like there's a lot of people that haven't explored the potentials. And I feel like as a as the generation that we're in, like we live in such a confusing world. It's such a mad mad fast-paced confusing well there's so much going on with socials and technology and stuff everyone should be making money like no one if you've got a good skill we could all be monetizing that and even if it's just a side hustle pe- people just don't understand and, and and know their full potential so that's what i would say and then final thing i just want to say a big shout out to, so to anyone that watches this uh to chris taylor chris henry steve pado ben archer and then all my clients and everyone else that's, that's supported uh, along the way amazing mate Thanks again for coming on. This has been episode two of the Quantum Podcast. Final, oh, final thing, sorry, sorry. Go on, go on, go on, go on. Shout out to my amazing team as well, who are probably going to be watching this. Diego, Mo, Harry, Sean, you guys are legends. Thank you for everything you do uh, and being part of this. Amazing, mate. Thanks again for coming on. It's been an incredible episode and I will see everyone at the next. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Quantum Podcast with Joe Taylor. You'll find all his links in the description below. So please go and follow him, support him, and find all the different things he does, especially with eGrowth Media, with that up and coming, uh, and always thriving with that business. Joe, I wish you the best in the future. And yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast, and I'll see you all next week for episode four.